0: Oh, and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, aka Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode number 137. Let's roll and welcome some new listeners, I'm sure, as we are now, you know, proudly on the uh player profiler. Um You know, network. So that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But uh, you know, there's a bunch of bunch of old hats here listening to this show who don't want anything new. And well, tough luck, boys. Tough luck, boys. Hang in there. But but this is a great show. I hope you all are, are are excited to hear it. This is this is a dynasty game theory podcast. That's what this is. Old old listeners know. New listeners, we just dive in, man. We have great guests. It's a new guest every week. I do have some repeating guests over and over again. Um, But, uh, you know, the likes of, you know, J.J. Zacharyson and Scott Barrett recently, and Matt Kelly's been on the show a number of times, Evan Silva, etc. There's a murderer's row of great guests that we have on this show over and over again. And, And today, I have a partner, well, a partner kind of, I mean, a man from Player Profiler that got me into this gig and someone who's never been on the show before, Mr. Billy Muzio. I, I've coined Billy as the hardest working guy in fantasy football. I just found out by talking to him today that that is, in fact, the case. My man Billy is fucking grinding. Billy Muzio is on the pod today. Billy, what's going on, buddy?
1: You know, I'm most impressed that you actually pronounced my name right. The, the, Thanks, the, the last name is is something that people have butchered since I was like eight years old, playing Pop Warner, and moved my way up through you know grade school and college, and and so excellent pronunciation of the last name, by the way. So congratulations. Hey, I'm an there. East
0: Coaster, so I, we know how to do this. You know, we don't fuck <laughs> yeah. up these names.
1: We got calzones. We got we got you know museums in the house. We got all sorts of good stuff. But I was
0: I was on the uh, <laughs> listen. I was on the uh, Rotowire show this morning with Alan Soslowski, And Alan asked me how to, how to pronounce my name. And I swear to God, I couldn't, I couldn't do it any worse. Like if if he tried to mess it up, he couldn't have done it any worse. (laughs) And I was like, Alan, that is not close to the name. That is not even close. And then I told him it, and, you know, and of course my name is Belanger, B-O-U-L-A-N-G-E-R, Belanger. And in back East, it would just be Belanger. You know, we just (laughs) fuck up everything. So I know how to say Muzio. That's easy. We'll get that done.
1: So on the East coast, how do you separate khakis and car
0: keys i mean first of all i don't know that's it that's a good question khakis <laughs> they're the same thing they are that's why we always thing. lose our keys we a, where are they in the khakis you
1: lose your khakis in your khakis
0: yeah that's very very close brother but um you know <laughs> i don't i didn't know we were gonna go that direction but uh here we are um you know B- billy i love you you're a great mind in this space and you know i think you're a hell of a player i've watched you from afar you know i've seen you know whether it be on twitter or you know just you know hearing about you in other leagues and then seeing what you've done with player profiler this is the part of the show where i kiss up to you a little bit because later on i'm going to tell you how stupid all your takes are so i just want to say up front how smart and wonderful i think you are
1: Oh, I I appreciate it. I'll definitely take the introduction. Um, A broken clock clock is right twice a day. We can leave it over that.
0: Yeah, this is the butter up section of the pod, so we'll butter you up. But, uh, you know, we're going to do something fun. I thought we'd pick a couple of teams and kind of go through it. And, um, you know, one of the teams that's catching my attention, um, and I think it always catches our attention, is the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Boy, oh boy! Since you know, since they since Lamar's been there, it's kind of been an interesting offense, right? Not a lot of pass catchers that it can be that, that are supported by the by the offense. But Lamar's a stud. He's been hurt. You know, the running game has been exceptional in terms of efficiency, but there hasn't really been a, a you know a lead back there that's really carried the backfield. It's been it's been a very interesting. Obviously, Mark Andrews has been great. Here we go into Baltimore for 2023. New offensive coordinator. I know that you do a lot of projections in a general sense. How many, like, essentially, how many pass attempts do you think this team can actually have? Because Lamar has been, you know, such a such a low volume passer. I think it starts with Lamar and then it trickles down to these weapons. What are your thoughts about maybe the pass run ratio and how many how many pass attempts we can get out of Lamar this year?
1: Yeah, I actually gave him a, a slight bit of efficiency bump this year. Uh, the expected pass rate in the model came up as 544.7 attempts. Um, they did add Odell Beckham. They have Bateman coming back. They have Andrews. Um, we expect them to be able to kind of spread the field a little bit with a run first offense from Munkin and keep the defenses honest. So um, we did give him a slight bump in efficiency this year. I have him projected for 573 pass attempts, which just puts him at 14th in the league. So nearly middle of the pack, which would be slightly heavier than they are typically used to. I think they're also signaling that they want to throw the ball a little bit more this year with the additions that they've made inside of the passing or as you say in the wide receiver corps. So uh, I think all those things come true and, and inside of the projection we do see a slight increase. So slightly middle of the pack slightly below i'd say still still bottom half of the league but not near the bottom 10 like we're used to seeing um but i do still think that they're a very run heavy team and probably run first but i do think they're going to have a few more pass attempts this year i
0: i I agree um i gave them 500 and well 550 total pass attempts for the team i gave lamar 520 just because i felt like you know you want to I you know, some teams I'll give all the pass attempts to the to the to the you know, QB one on the team. Other mm-hmm. teams I'll split it up. Obviously this year, like with example with uh Arizona, you know, I'm not giving uh you know uh, Kyler, all of it, right? Um, yeah. I think I gave him 50%, you know, uh, just to kind of figure it from there and then kind of go from there. Uh, I think it was 50% and then 25% for Toon, 25% for McCoy. I don't think that's how it's going to go, but when you try to start figuring out what's what and using efficiency stats, etc., you got to start somewhere with, with this team. So I gave Lamar 520 pass attempts. That would still be quite a, quite a good number for him. You know, 575, 520, anything over 500 would be pretty awesome for him, um, yeah, 520 you- would
1: be a career high. It'd actually be 119 more than his career high. So that means they're expecting him to play 15 to 16 games in the projection, yes. um, which I don't quite think he makes it there. I mean, he has in you know, his rookie year, 2019, 2020. He played 15, 15 and 16 those three years. Um, we've only seen 12 the last couple of years, but even in his Sophomore campaign in the NFL in 2019, he only had 401 pass attempts. Um, right. I do think I do think he well surpasses this number this year, just because of right. of the additions. And so I think that you know, 400 for him would be really low, That'd be low, um, and that's what yeah. they have been in the past. Um, but we also have Atlanta Falcons who are going to be a run first team. We have Tennessee Titans who are going to be a run first team. So I don't think they're going to be league low again this year. Um, uh, Yeah. The bears and there's the, the, you know, uh, there's been some (laughs) very poorly mismanaged franchises, which have led them to these very run heavy teams in this modern day NFL. Um, can Lamar Jackson be, you know, bottom of the league in past attempts? Absolutely, yeah. it's within the realm of possibilities. hundred
0: percent, it is right. That's the fear. That's the fear for me, man. I mean, it's like, you, what'd you say? His, his, his top was four hundred, right? It's like four hundred one. Okay, yeah, yeah. He has to get more than that to pay off Bateman, Flowers, and Odell, and and Andrews. Right. I mean, there's just he has to.
1: Yeah, I am at 472. So I'm only, okay, I'm only like yeah, 30 yeah. behind yours, but I'm only at 14 yeah. games. Um, yes. So there's the difference of, I mean, that's, that one, that's a one game difference in our projections.
0: Yeah, I've got it like 16 games, 15, 16 games. you got them 14. Exactly, exactly right. And so when we look at that, okay, let's say that there are you know, 500 plus uh, you know, attempts. What does that do to the target share? And we'll get to that and more just after this. My big question here is, you know, uh, Bateman, Flowers, and Odell. I mean, Odell, To what, what order did you have those in targets? And in general, where did you have those three in terms of targets and target share?
1: So I do have Odell leading the pack at 18%. And, and I think if we knew today that Rashad Bateman was healthy and that he was running at full capacity and cutting, yeah. I think that it, it would easily be 18%. Bateman and 17 or 16 percent Odell Beckham but that's not the scenario or the world that we live in as of you know June 1st 2023 and so in order of course Mark Andrews is the number one target in this offense for me at 23 percent of the target share when we move out of the receiving position I got Rashad Bateman at 17 Odell Beckham at 18 like I stated and then I got Zay Flowers at 13 percent I think that Zay is actually a very talented receiver I think he is going to um do very well in this league i just don't think it's going to be to start 2023 i think he'll work into that role especially a low volume offense that we just talked about bottom 14 in the league in best case scenario right maybe bottom 10 the league in pass attempts and when you look at bottom 10 teams and pass attempts and you think about 13 or 15 or even 16% target share it's just not enough to really be that fantasy relevant right yeah. it's why i have concerns about atlanta and and it's why i have concerns about you know pass catchers in the tennessee offense just because When you talk about twenty five percent of the pass share, when you're only throwing the ball four hundred fifty times, four hundred seventy five times, it's not that many targets. And so
0: we'll we'll get to Atlanta, won't we? But (laughs) hey, I've got something here. Like so, I'm with you. I Mark Andrews, I had at twenty three point three. So ding ding ding, right answer for me. I had Rashad Bateman at eighteen point two percent. I had close? Odell at 14 and a half, and I, I think in some ways I'm also sort of uh, imagining that he's less likely to make it through the whole season. And because these are season-long stats, I think maybe his target rate will be higher than 14 and a half, right? Maybe he has mm-hmm. a 20% target rate, but a 14 or 15% target share at the end of the season. That's kind of where my brain was in terms of making that projection. And Zay Flowers I had at 164 um, uh, you know, that begs the question, then I have a funny feeling. I think that you're a little bit higher than me on Isaiah Likely.
1: Uh 10% target share and likely.
0: I have eight. There it is. So the Zay Flowers, Isaiah Likely, I think it, we're 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 seeing this this offense the same way. And I think it's like if you if you see if I wanted to move likely up, I'd have to move Zay Flowers down. And that's really that. 12 personnel, 11 personnel, how often are they yep. going to play it? And how often are they going to throw from it? Is that basically what we're talking about here?
1: Yeah. And I think that we'll see quite a bit of 12 personnel from the Ravens. Like we always do. They've always been a 12 personnel team. Yes. They they love to have two tight ends in the field. They love to, to run them both in routes as well. Um, and, and I think that we'll continue to see that, especially with the likes mm-hmm. of, um, you know, you can mention everybody with all the misfits on the rest of the team. Like, you know, DeMarcus Robinson, Zay Flowers, you know, James Proch, Devin Duvernay, right? And I say Zay Flowers in that name because he is a rookie. He still yeah. he's still learning the offense. He's learning the routes. He's learning the NFL speed. So it's going to take him time to get acclimated into that role. Totally. And although I like the 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 profile, I like talent, it still takes time to adjust to the NFL for these rookies.
0: Well, we had, we'd talked 0.0 seconds or minutes bef- about our projections before coming in. And the fact that we come out of the gates with that close to each other in terms of projections, and not only that close to each other, but even where we sort of disagree, we actually agree. Because if I told you, you know, Zay Flowers did get 16, you'd probably lower Isaiah Likely. And if you told me Isaiah Likely got that much, I'd have lowered Zay Flowers. So we're in this together. I think the other thing that it tells us is that – the 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 trio of Bateman, Odell, and Zay Flowers are most likely to be between like 70 and 100 targets each of them, you know, right?
1: Yeah, I got – Zay's exactly at 74.5 targets in my projection. There and I go. think for a rookie coming into this offense, I think that's generous. Um yep. Would it surprise me if he hit 80? No, um, but that's probably closer to that 14%, half percent target share within the realm of possibilities, but that would be considered a good year for him in Baltimore, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't foresee any one of those three guys getting 120, 130 targets, right?
1: <laughs> no way. You, right? I, I'm going to punch it in there now. So if you wanted to see 120, 130% target share, let's just go
0: 23, to... 23, 24%.
1: Yeah. I'm going to say 23.5%. So yeah. that... I'm going to punch it in right now. Calculating. It's calculating. It's 23%. Yeah. Yeah. It's not happening. Not going to happen.
0: Yeah, not happening. I totally agree. I think that that's what we're going to see from Bateman, you know, Odell. If he can stay healthy, right? I mean, that's the big thing. If Odell can stay healthy. So that begs the question. Now, here we are in Dynasty. I mean, we have some health concerns with Bateman, whether or not he's going to be healthy. Beckham, whether he will stay healthy, and Fl- Flowers, you know, being a rookie, I, I, you know, if we if we foresee them being below 100 targets each, does that make does that make uh, does that make us think about these guys in dynasty a certain way? I mean, what are your takeaways from what you what you come up with here? uh in terms of where we should sort of view these guys in dynasty or or do we view them correctly i guess
1: no i i think i think they're probably being valued correctly i think zays yeah. you know priced accordingly i think he has an opportunity to step into a role uh quicker than some other receivers who are being drafted ahead of him quite frankly um just because of the situation although the reason why I think he's priced accordingly is just because like I mentioned earlier, it's just the lower attempts and pass volume, of this offense. It's not yeah. like it's going to change overnight and it's not going to change in one or two years either. It's just going to be something that it's either going to have to have a change at quarterback or a complete change in game for Lamar Jackson, which is going to take away from his strength, which is his legs. And I don't see that happening. So I think that while Odell's here and while Bateman is at least relatively healthy, Zay is going to be capped.
0: Yeah, totally. I, I totally agree. I, I, you know, I still, th- I still love Bateman and I still think he's a, a great player. And I think if he can get healthy, he's, he's bound to be the alpha in that, in that offense. But, you know, I, I think his price is not there. So I think he's still a buy, um, you know, I don't know. I, I might've, you know, spent a little bit too rich for him in the off season. Uh, But but I'm not so sure I did. I mean, if he wasn't, you know, the the injury has been one of the things that's been holding back his ADP lately. Um, When you move to the backfield, we take a look at, you know, J.K. Dobbins, who came off the ACL and was what a freaking warrior. I mean, he was basically out there just dragging his leg around and just running over people with his, you know, he was hitting people with the leg. You know, he was just like here, you know, just wielding his leg like the guy in, uh, uh, you know, Monty Python. I mean, he was just he was just crazy out there. But. Now, one year removed from that, if he can get healthy, we could really see a big year from Dobbins. They added zero competition for him. They just have Gus Edwards and another player that I'm going to mention in a moment that I think could be exciting. But uh, J.K. could go off this year. Uh, You with this? I mean, with with more pass attempts, too. Potentially a couple more targets. I don't think it's going to be a high target share, but if he can get a few more targets here along the way and that touchdown upside in this offense could be huge for him, yeah?
1: I agree hundred uh, percent. He's been one of the backs that I've targeted the most inside of drafts and I just love where his ADP is. I think people are still scared away from his injury that he had, you know, over a year ago now that ACL injury yeah. hindered his season last year. We saw him kind of hiccuped and and kind of hindered and we saw him still breaking away runs and had that yeah. hitch in his step kind of down the stretch. In my projections, he comes in as running back twenty-three. I think honestly, like he has every opportunity to surpass that, just because this this monk in run offense is run first. Lamar Jackson's going to open up lanes inside of the running game as well. Uh, Like names I had near him is Miles Sanders, Rashad White, Dalvin Cook, and, and there's a lot of uncertainty with all three of these players. And so there's I think Dobbins has every opportunity to be a top 20 running back and and when we look at what he was able to achieve even coming off injury, even having setbacks I mean, he was still number three in the league in breakaway run rate at 10.9%. Yes. And and he had 10 breakaway runs inside of his limited opportunities. And, and we know that he is a dynamic back. We know that he's able to take it to the house. We know he's going to score touchdowns. We know he's going to have opportunities in the red zone. This is everything you want inside of a running back. On top of the opportunity share that he's going to see, top of the snap share, you mentioned it. They didn't add anybody else to this backfield. I think it's wheels up for Dobbins this year. And I think he's going to have a lot of opportunity to succeed. And I love what they're doing in this offense, but without adding much competition.
0: I mean, he's been six yards a carry for his career so far. You know, I mean, he was six yards and then 5.7, actually 5.9 for the career. You know, <clears throat> that's really good. The the problem is, is he had eight targets in eight games last year. And so the targets have to go up from to really You know, like you said, he was RB24 for you. You know, I think, what did I say for him? Um, I'm going to look here real quick. You know, and this might be too much. I put him – I just hoped he would get two targets per game and put him at 35 targets. That – that would be almost, that'd be great. You know, I mean, I think we'd take that, which is kind of crazy um, because like that's not very good. But if he can just get a few targets, here's the thing. He's so explosive. As you point out, the breakaway run rate is so good that if he can get a couple targets, I think he can have a, a well above average um, you know, yards per catch and maybe even score a couple touchdowns on those 35 targets if you were to get them. Um, that's that's kind of the whole point. It's like, you know, it's not just a dump off for him. It can be a big play. Um, you know, d- what, what did you have for him in terms of total yards? If you, if you have it there,
1: um, let me check total, total yards. Uh, let me see. It's a little more, <clears> I, I, had, him, break I had him
0: just about, um, let's see here. Th- 11, 1300 yards, total 10 touchdowns, just over 200 carries. I think if he can get to 200 to 230 carries, that'd be, that'd be great.
1: I can't do math in my head like this. So no, let, no, me just, let me just let me calculate. Hold up. Ten. I have ten ninety-five on the ground and I got I have one,
0: 1092 on the ground, dude.
1: Look at that. We're close. Oh,
0: fucking sick.
1: Mind melding right here. Um oh, God. I have 128 in the air. So I'm a little less optimistic <laughs> through the air than you are. 175. yep. Yeah. But that's one thousand two hundred and twenty-three total yards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Twelve hundred to thirteen hundred yards. And how many touchdowns do you see there?
1: Uh eight on the ground and eight point one on the ground and zero point nine in the air. So a total of nine touchdowns.
0: Uh, yeah, I have nine and one. So we're, we're seeing his opportunity about the same. And I think that's great. That, that puts him right around 200 uh, fantasy points for the year, you know? And uh, yeah, I think Dobbins can, can certainly, I, that feels not like a floor necessarily. I don't mean that that way, but like that doesn't, that feels sturdy. You know, no, I know what you're saying. Up. It's
1: like, when you yeah. look at this, you're saying, I really think there's only one way to go. It's up, right? It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of like or a injury. It's like, a safe projection based yes. upon his knee injury. It's, it's a mean. It's a mean average is what it is, right? Yep. And so um, when you look at it, if you told me – if I was fast forward to 2024 and we're recording in June and you told me that he finishes RB12, I'd be like, mm, okay, yeah, I see yes. it, right? Yep. To where yep. it's like I think that that – when you look at that tier though too – Right. And this is when I talked with Jake Seeley, uh, uh about a week and a half ago, we talked about players that we had. And, and one of the players that we mentioned was Aaron Jones. And it's like I had him as RB12. He had him as RB20. But when we broke down the projection, it was like neck and neck and everything we mentioned. It wasn't necessarily the player. It was the tier around him. Right. And so. When you look at this tier, you said 200 fantasy points. I have 198 fantasy points. And so you look at that tier. I have right above him. I have Rashad White at 200. So that's two fantasy points. Right. I have Miles Sanders at 201. That's three fantasy points. Dalvin Cook at 202. James Conner at 203. Jameer Gibbs at 204. Damian Pierce at 204. Travis Etienne at 207. So you're talking about nine fantasy points all the way up to RB16. Right. That's that's very easy to skew, move, manipulate yes. and uh, I mean yes. I could I can move two stats right now and he could be RB14 in my projections. E- exa- yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> Give him an extra touchdown and right, exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And, and 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 while we're there, I mean, I have I have JK Dobbins at RB14 in Dynasty. Um and I don't, you know, I don't really want to move him down, but you know, moving him up, you have to start you know, taking him ahead of, I mean, Eckler, Jacobs, Ken Walker, Travis Etienne, Ramondre Stevenson. Do you like him ahead of any of those guys in Dynasty?
1: It's so tough because I think Eckler probably has one really good year in him left, I but it. I think it probably starts tapering off from there. Yep. As and this is probably going to be against the grain, but I like to think of myself as a visionary, and I would probably take him ahead of Eckler because I know that I could move Eckler and get him and some other, you know, piece in the yep. process. And so I'd probably do it because I'm looking to the future. If I'm win now, I keep Eckler. But if I'm that's rebuilding, the
0: hard part is like these these running backs are only year to year in some cases anyway. You know, I mean, not not totally. I mean, obviously, you know, Jonathan Taylor's not a year to year running back. But I'm just saying, like. You never really know. You know, I mean look at Dalvin, obviously. You know, look what it, happened it to Todd to it. Gurley.
1: It just yeah. out, you know, it's just one minute you're on top of the mountain, the next thing you know, you're falling down the cliff with these you. running backs. And and yeah, it didn't
0: happen fast.
1: And that's why like I favor wide receivers inside dynasty and I'll I'll add running backs and as ancillary pieces. But yes, I, I, I think that overall, like I, I don't know if I want to say it right now, but I'm probably going to take Dobbins in dynasty over Eckler. Yeah. I just took Eckler fourth overall in FFPC draft tonight. <laughs>
0: you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean this year, that that's the hard part in dynasty. That's what's so <laughs> beautiful about the game of dynasty is like, you know, if you drafted it like a redraft league, you may be able to win because that would be an edge, but you'd also be, you know, you better hope you collected a couple years from that dude. Cause it might go <laughs> fast, you know? exactly yeah uh andrews andrews being you know kind of the easiest one to sort of project to some degree i I mean he's going to get 120 targets or more what did he peak out at like 170 or some stupid thing that one year but you know i mean i think he's pretty locked in as a 22 to 28 percent target share guy i mean i'd be very surprised if if that doesn't happen again if he doesn't see that you know well robust 20% target share again and obviously they love him around the the red zone so he feels like uh like also kind of a pretty secure um bet my question to you is in dynasty you know I got asked today who my tight end one is in dynasty by Alan Soslowski and he was surprised a little bit by the answer who's your tight end one in dynasty where do you have Mark Andrews
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Thank I haven't you. really I haven't really thought about my tight here's, end here's one the in Dynasty. Question.
0: Here's the question. You're, you you would do you prefer Travis Kelsey or Mark Andrews in Dynasty? I, I
1: Kelsey is probably in Dynasty number three in my list. Um I think the question is, is it Andrews or Hawkinson in Dynasty? I think Kelsey is a hall of famer. I think he's (coughs) hands down the 101 in redraft. Um, I keep saying that he's nearing the end of his career, but I said that about Tom Brady for 10 years as well. Um, and so I, I think that there is outliers, the tight end position, at least ages gracefully, like a nice bottle of wine. Um, but I I do think that we're nearing the end of his career and we're going to see, um, some regression in, in, inside of his, his efficiency and the stats, um, I just don't think it's going to be 2023 yet. I think he's got another good year in him as well. That being said, we have Mark Andrews, who's 27.7 years old. Um, it's kind of where Titans really start blossoming. The fact that he's blossomed before this is, is wonderful. Hawkinson again, in a past heavy offense, um, I, I, think I lean Mark Andrews as one one in the dynasty. Uh, it's a very close second to Hawkinson. If you want to put Kelsey there, that's fine, but you're probably going to move him out of that in a year or two. And then yeah. I look at it and say, is that really a dynasty ranking then? Or are you just doing a year to year dynasty ranking? And then it's questions about how you're ranking and, and I get down this rabbit hole, like I'm talking about right now. And yeah. I think that overall you have to look at it as a lifetime value. Yeah. Um, similar to how we do at Player Profiler, and if I'm doing that today, the lifetime value and the shelf life that you have for Mark Andrews, as well as as Hawkinson, I think you have to put them ahead of Kelsey in Dynasty.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great answer. Um, I have Kelsey as my tight end one, and it's a really difficult uh, equation because you just laid it out for that side. And I don't disagree with that, by the way, that if you and I were running a team and you just told me that and you wanted to go with Andrews, I'd be like, cool. But here's the, here's the case for Travis Kelsey. The difference between tight end one and tight end two was greater than the difference between tight end two and tight end 20. Was that the stat? I think it, it was some, right?
1: something silly like that. It yeah. was
0: stupid like that. It was like, <laughs> if, if not that it was like tight end three and tight end 20 or something like, that. but like he was literally, he lapped the field. And that's not the case at other positions. There's no other position where they're lapping the field. Like there's no replacement level player that could like be like, give you some shadow of the production that the, that the wide receiver one, the running back one or the QB one gives you. This is, doesn't exist. You literally have this unique thing and I don't know when it's going to end. I I was actually calling for the end last year. I had Pitts as tight end one and you know, I knew he's coming and, and you know what? I was wrong about that last year. I didn't, I, you know. I was not about to say, say sorry Pitts for your is, loss. I, I don't have very much pits because I was <laughs> anti-pits in the rookie draft, not because of the player take, but be, but after year one, really, we all thought he was going to, I mean, he had a thousand yards. Like, here he comes. The The touchdown variance is coming. It's all coming. And then last year was the worst thing ever. All that being said is, you should have just bet on Kelsey. I mean, he's the one. A lot of people say Pitts is the next Kelsey. No, Kelsey's the next Kelsey. This year, we're going to see it again. And probably even, God bless us, if we see it two more years. I mean, I can't even believe it. But I would take one year of Kelsey versus the careers of any of these other shit bags for any reason. Because if I have Kelsey, I have a chance to win one more year. I do. I have I have the best player. If I'm a contender, I'm not trading Kelsey for anything. You know, tight end plus give me Kelsey. So for those reasons I have him there, but I get it. If you're rebuilding, Kelsey's a great piece to get off of. And just, I've, I did it last year. I traded Kelsey for Andrews plus a first. Now you're telling me Andrews is the, is the tight end one. Well, on that team, I'm happy to hear it, but ultimately I still might not beat the Kelsey team. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, and, I mean, you brought up a very valid point, and is this is the the biggest thing with dynasty, right? Are you win now or you win later, and right. and and people may value the tight end position differently, especially Kelsey Andrews or Hawkinson, or even you could throw Pitts' name in here. Yeah, you could throw Goddard's name in here. Right? Yep. There's there's a few that you could throw into this um, top tier in dynasty at least. Uh, And and I think it it just breaks down to what your position is, right? I think we can all agree that in 2023, Kelsey is the tight end one hands down, right? Right. But what does this offense look like inside 2024? What does this offense look like in 2025? Kelsey's not getting any younger. He's going to be 34 years old this year. No, it's crazy. Um, He's going to be 35. He's probably still going to be out. He's probably still going to be the tight end one next year, uh, given no injury in 2023. And so I I can... Like like you said earlier, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. I think that you can make an argument for Andrews. I think you can make an argument for Kelsey. I think you can make an argument for Hawkinson. I think you can make an argument for Pitts, even though I'm not a Pitts fan
0: because he's like 22, man. I mean, it's like, and we know he's good. Like, it's not like, oh, he's not good. But that being said, let's talk about those Atlanta Falcons because the 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 problem with Pitts or the problem with the Atlanta Falcons is the sort of. (laughs) <laughs> the volume, right? I mean, this is going to be an interesting team to watch what they choose to do in neutral settings, right? I mean, they are they could be losing a lot potentially, but um, if they're not losing and they're in games, I think they're going to be very run heavy. Um, just how run heavy did you make them in your projections and what did you learn?
1: So I have them, I mean, let me pull up those numbers in particular. So I'll start by saying that I have them as the lowest passing attempts team in the league at 498 attempts. Yeah. I have Tennessee at 505 who comes in at second. I'm going to organize this column for rushing attempts. I'm going to tell you right now that Atlanta comes in as number five at 495 attempts. Ha, so, that's what I
0: have 495.
1: So I, I think you can expect them to continue to run the ball. Yeah. Um, something has to give with me for Atlanta. And I've been ridiculed on Twitter for saying this, but you can't have Bijan be a thing. You can't have Drake London be a thing. You can't have Pitts be a thing. You have to pick one. Or two max, you can't have all three. Something has to give because there isn't enough pass volume in this offense to support the three. People are drafting Bijan Robinson, and we'll separate Dynasty and redraft for this conversation for just now. People are drafting Bijan Robinson and redraft as RB2. I can see it in, in Dynasty, no problem. Redraft, though, you're expecting him then to see 80 to 90 targets which in this scenario, I just told you, I have him sub 500 attempts. That's yeah. nearly 20% target share for a running back. It's, it's not, not going to happen. happen. Not you have Drake London who saw near 30% target share last year. It's not going to happen. You have right. Kyle Pitts who people are expecting you know, to be God's gift to this earth and be the next Kelsey. It's not going to happen one of these things may happen, not all three. And so right. in dynasty, the same remains the true, the same remains true until you have an offensive coordinator or a coach who is more committed to pass until then this upside for all three are going to be capped.
0: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I had come out with, uh, Pitts and Drake London, each with 125 targets. And in doing so, it made Bijan right around 50. And you know I, if he gets 50 targets, that's definitely not good enough for where he's being drafted.
1: I have him exactly at 49.8. Yeah. And, and so he comes in my projections as RB7. You see him drafted and redrafter now as RB2. And in yeah. order for him to do, I've, I've, I've talked about this on Twitter, and I've talked about this in, in great lengths with other experts. Jake Seeley is in the same... Both that you and I are fifty, fifty targets roughly is the projection, yeah. and it breaks down. Of course, the volume, like we just discussed, when you look at Drake London, I have one hundred thirty-four point three. I have Pitts at one hundred on the dot, um, so I'm less optimistic about Pitts just because sure. of the addition of Bijan. Um, I and they went out and got Johnu Smith, and I know he, John U. Smith isn't anything special, but it is another tight end in the back inside yeah. the offense now. Right. Um, so I. I still think that these guys have an opportunity to be successful. I think they're all being drafted at or above their ceiling right now in redraft. Dynasty is another question, right? I think that Bijan absolutely could be RB one, RB two in dynasty. I think that Kyle Pitts arguably could be tied in three or four. Even you could put him at one, and I think it's not going to draw a lot of eyebrows. But yeah, redraft is a whole nother question just based upon the current offense. Arthur Smith and his his infinity to run, uh, his infinity to use twelve personnel. Um, We're going to see, we're going to see someone capped, and I'm telling you right now, we might be all three. It might be uh, all three. It might be all three. I definitely think that Bijan is going to be less involved in the passing game than people are expecting. that we
0: want him to be like. He's the best receiver. He's the best running back. I mean, he, he's awesome. This isn't a player take. This is an opportunity take, and you know he should be targeted at a great at a great rate. But it, even at a pretty high rate with the low pass volume, it doesn't get him that far. Um, and, and I'm with you. It's interesting because if you go after Drake London and then say, okay, who's the wide receiver two on this Hollins. team? It's Mac Hollins. <laughs> It's sne- fucking Mac Hollins.
1: He was sneaky good last year, though.
0: <laughs> he was, but I mean, like, it's nothing know, it's special. I get Collins. it. Like, yeah, and, and who's the wide receiver three? It's probably Scotty Miller or something like, Kader yeah, or Hodge. Demir not, Bird, maybe. I mean, right the, the, here we are. So okay, it's whatever. pretty gross. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I don't know. Like, so maybe that's Taylor where you Henry argue it play. might be
1: Johnu Smith with twelve personnel.
0: That's the there, there we go, there we go. So I, I have janu as the quote-unquote third you know at Pitts, london hollands and then i have janu with the, <laughs> with the with the fourth most targets out of those you know out of the wide receiver tight end position and i think they're going to play a lot of janu and and uh pits together and we we do know they have an affinity to play pits on the outside so i think we're going to see some of that janu tight end Pitts in london outside and you know Bijan in the backfield type of thing these types of uh you know, lineup. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, you know, who might be a sneaky wide receiver three for them could be Cordero Patterson.
1: Yeah, so I've been actually talking about this um, because Patterson, as of course, we know, played wide receiver. Um, he's yeah. been heavily involved in the passing game in Atlanta. It's another reason why I think uh, B. John Robinson's upside is capped. And yep. although Patterson is not this exceptional talent, he's gained the trust of Arthur Smith and yeah. has been heavily involved in the offense thus far. And I mean, I have Cordell Patterson actually at two and a half percent more target share than John U. Smith. So in order, I have yeah that's Drake, probably smart. <clears throat> Drake London at 27 percent. I have Pitts at where to go twenty percent. I have Mac Hollins at eleven and a half percent. Patterson at eight percent. Johnu Smith at um sorry Bijan Bijan is actually at ten percent as well. Yep. yep um yep. and then and then I have Johnu Smith at five and a half percent. So yeah. him and Patterson together are sense. are you know the options number what is that three and four in the passing game? Just because. We know they like to use the running back. They're going to continue to run the ball. They're probably going to run two running back sets as well. They're going to create mismatches. You mentioned Kyle Pitts being ran outside, which I think has been the detriment to his career so far totally. because they need to move him inside and create mismatches. But they totally. they, they, they they just continue to put him out wide as this he's an ex receiver when they could have had the option to draft an ex receiver. So if you wanted an ex receiver, just draft the fucking X receiver. Right. But you, but fine. I I like Pitts. Go ahead. But they draft this
0: mismatch nightmare mismatches ass. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Like use them as such for credit loud. And so until they put him inside, we're going to see this struggle in Pitts, in my opinion, um, and and kind of this ceiling that has never hit. And so I, I, I expect him to probably have his best season to date um that being said i still think he hits his best season today uh at least touchdown wise receiving yards is to be determined thousand yards as a rookie was was pretty impressive and i think it's it's um it's going to be a hard number to clips think at 1100 yards as a rookie so i think he might be close to that but i don't think he hits that that mark this year
0: yeah it's funny because I, the reason i did 125 and 125 i was basically like those two guys are getting 50 percent of the targets like pitts and london just 50. Like You can do whatever you want. You can make them 27, 23. You can do whatever you want, like 26, 24, whatever. Somewhere in the ballpark, those two guys are coming in right around 50% of those of those targets. They're both target monsters. They both should be targeted at a heavy rate because they're both dope. We would like to see Kyle Pitts lined up in line so he can create those mismatches that we're talking about. Will Remains to be seen. Um, but I, I I like the Cordero Patterson, Patterson take. I was kind of trying to figure out how it all slides in after the 50%. How much can I give Bijan? Because I think I'm right around the same as you. You know, uh, I, I said 50, so it's probably exactly like that 10% mark. Um, you know, so we both see that kind of the same. Sure, Bijan could get to 12, 13, 14, but still that doesn't get him to, you know, 100 targets. That's That's not, you know, that's not in the realm of possibilities unless something really, really weird happens, especially considering how much they want to run the football. I do think he has a chance to. Run for fifteen hundred yards in this in this in this offense potentially with three hundred carries or some stupid thing like that. Um, I don't think he'll necessarily get there. I do think you're going to see some Patterson Algier and you know Ritter will take off a little bit. You'll see some of that. But um, long story short, I think that is an issue because even with those fifty percent of those targets and them both getting to one twenty five, they're still right around a thousand yards, and you can't imagine they're going to get double digit touchdowns in that offense and that. That caps their ceiling a little bit, so I think they're they're good floor plays pits in London, but I don't know that the ceiling is necessarily there based on the offense. Uh, do you kind of see it that way?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think that they all have the talent, they all have the opportunity. Just the opportunity is capped this inside of this Atlanta Falcons offense.
0: Speaking of an offense that is not capped, it's not capped at all. The <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs are not a capped offense. That offense is uncapped, um, <laughs> but they don't have any wide receivers, man. It's like, what the fuck? Um, but by the time this airs, maybe we're going to see, uh, you know, uh, Deandre Hopkins sign there. I think that would actually make all the sense in the world. I think I heard Matt Kelly say that as well, but um, you know, I'm I'm not so sure that that happens either. And, and that's a team that breaks my brain. We talked about Kelsey. He's the wide receiver one there. But I don't I have not done my Kansas City uh projections yet. I haven't gotten there. I'm going alphabetically. So, I'm going to lean on you. Uh what the hell is going to happen to this wide receiver core? I mean, did you basically just give them all 8% and say fuck it?
1: No, I I've done my due diligence. I've drove myself a little mad and I have tried to dissect this offense as much as I possibly could so far news at a camp has kind of aligned with how I have separated this, this receiving core. Um, the wild card is Kader's Tony and his health, of course, just because, um, he has not, you know, finished the entire season. He's played hurt his entire career so far. Um, so I think he's the, the dramatic wild card. So I think if we knew today that Kader's Tony was going to play 16 games, you could argue that he is a top 20 receiver. Mm. Um, but because we know that he is is not going to play the entire season, because he has become labeled as injury prone. I mean, his career high is his rookie year, 10 games, um, nine last year in 2022. And so we've seen only 19 games in his two years in the NFL. Um, there's valid concern for his health. Um, that being said, I have him um, behind Kelsey. Of course, Kelsey, I have at 24% of the target share. I have Kader's Tony at 18% of the target share. Uh, from there, I actually have Rasheed Rice uh, at 10% of the target share. Sky Moore at 9% of the target share. Jarek McKinnon at 8% of the target share. And then it just kind of trickles down from there. But I, I do think that Rice is going to be the number two receiver on the team. Not option, but receiver. Just want right. to r- remind folks there's a difference there. Um, and, and I think that them going out and spending around to pick on him, signaling that they just don't have trust inside of of um sky Moore, we saw that last year they went out and drafted sky Moore, but they also spent money on marcus velda scantling who's still on the team they went out and and signed uh juju smith schuster last year sky Moore just couldn't carve out a role they go out and draft rasheed rice in the second round i think that just signals even more that they just don't like sky Moore as as a player as much and he's not going to be what people were hoping he was going to be i mean last year i had Sky Moore as my wide receiver 93 going into the season. Yeah. Um, he was consensus wide receiver 48 through 52 amongst ECR, and he finished outside the top 100 in, in receivers. Um, yeah. It just didn't make sense to me. You add up the money, they paid MVS 10 million a year. They paid Juju you know uh, a few million a year. Like There wasn't room for Sky Moore in the offense as a, as a top pecking order. I think you can say the same this year with him going out and drafting Rasheed Rice. They still have Kelsey. They still have Tony. They still have Jarek mckinnon who came back they still have mvs in the team i missed him 10 percent target share um but it's not like mvs is this exceptional talent it's not like he's gonna go out and just run routes like he's a he's a one-trick pony he's gonna he's gonna he's a he's he's a a terrible he's a field stretcher but he's gonna he's
0: awful i mean we know what his role is. is what i'm saying yes no no i agree with you he's probably gonna be out there or maybe he won't be i don't know but he's awful Like, he is terrible. I mean, if you've watched football, actual, like, just watch the games, he's atrocious. Um, That's what I said last year.
1: It's like people expected him to be this, like, top-tier wide receiver last year. When I say top-tier, like, top 40, right? And it's like he left one Hall of Fame quarterback to another Hall of Fame quarterback. It's not like he went from... Uh, you know, it's not like he went from like Sam Darnold to, you know, Patrick Mahomes. He went from Aaron Rodgers to Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. it, it was the same result. I mean, yeah. he was on the field at a 66% snap share. So it's he yeah, had opportunities. Crazy. It's totally. just he just fails to capitalize on him. He's just a one trick pony. And so. Yeah. I think we can expect his role to be the same. He's a he's a, a, a field stretcher. He's going to see 10% target share. He's going to have his couple blow-up games. He's a best ball guy. That's it. I'm not playing him in redraft. I'm not starting yeah. him in Dynasty. But he is what he is, and he's on the on the Chiefs, and you want that deep threat on the Chiefs whenever you can get it for cheap.
0: Yeah, I, I suppose. I want no part of MVS. I think he's terrible. I, he, You know, look, I thought he was better than, than, than he is. I really did. I, I was kind of like – there was a point I was optimistic about MVS, I think back in his Green Bay days, you know, maybe year two or something. And slowly but surely, he has shown me that he's an awful, awful wide receiver. Just a fast one. He's very fast, but he, he makes a lot of drops. And even sometimes he catches it. It's like, holy shit, he almost dropped that or almost tipped it to the other team. Like he's just really bad. And so for those reasons I can't imagine that Mahomes trusts him. But this opens the door for Rashi Rice and another name on the outside, Justin Ross. Look, Justin Ross was the number one player Didn't even mention in, his name? I mean, look, he was the number one player in all of college football at the wide receiver position at one point in time when he was a freshman, right? But his freshman year were like this is the next guy. You know, he, he was George Pickens like. You know, it was like George Pickens was that guy, CD Lamb, you know, these guys come out and they put up a, a you know, early freshman year breakout and you're like you know, at a big school, and you're like, holy shit, this is the dude. Justin Ross was the dude. And, you know, injuries, the neck, the whole thing, man. Late round draft capital. Now, all of a sudden, you know, we're getting some camp buzz. Um, I'm not opposed to the idea that Justin Ross could play over MVS on the outside and become a, a downfield threat that, I mean, he's such a better player. I don't know about his health. I don't know about you know how i don't know i don't know if he's still the same athlete i have no idea right we're going to find out the but problem with Justin has, Ross yeah. replacing
1: <clears throat> MVS is the speed like he just doesn't sure, have the same not. speed yeah. he of has course. the height he has the the body frame he yeah. has all, all those attributes that are going to probably be utilized in the red zone on packages, right? Yeah. I, just, I just don't see him playing between the 20s a lot on this team because there's even another name that we didn't even mention. It's, it's Richie James, right? Yep. And, and so that's another player who's going to carve out a role. What that role is, is to be determined. It's probably yeah. 3 to 4% target share, nothing large. But for Justin Ross to carve out a role, he's going to have to beat out every name we just mentioned. His health is going to have to be in order. And we're going to have to see, you know, at least some improvement inside of his footwork.
0: Look, Kadarius Tony, you, you're you're talking about Kadarius Tony getting 18%. I, I would cut that in half. I, I just think his target rate was 28%. His target share was 6%. And that's because he's just, you know, he's not out there a lot. Why? Well, it's not because of health only. It's not because of health only. It's also because he's not a... I, he's Pinocchio. I've said this a bunch of times. He's not a real wide receiver. He's not a real boy. You know, he's just... He's, <laughs> thank you, Kadarius Tony. I did uh, I did uh, coin him cadaver the Tony early in the process. Because Can he's you do it in a
1: Pinocchio voice, please?
0: I don't have a Pinocchio voice. <laughs> I'm a real boy. There so, <laughs> you know, that was actually Pinocchio. I brought him in. That was in pretty good. Said, yeah. Um, so, you know, he's p- fucking... NFL Pinocchio he just cannot be he's not a real wide receiver and so I think he has to be schemed in and when he's schemed in dude's a friggin' athlete I mean you're not going to hear me say that Kadarius Tony can't break ankles in the NFL because he can and he can make some highlight catches like I'll give him a lot of credit for what he is but what he isn't is a is a Technician, you know, and so he, he probably can't block. I don't really know. I'm not a fucking blocking expert, but for whatever reason, he's not on the field. There's probably some of the things that wide receivers have to do that aren't just making one sick play because he can make sick plays, but I just don't think he's an every down player. Um, and if he becomes one this year, fucking good on him. And I'll take, I'll say he's a real boy uh, and I'll take the Pinocchio one off of him. But you know, until that happens, he is. Um, so these so- are the
1: two numbers. That is hard to overlook target share 6.4%. This is including, of course the games and active games and inactive games target rate. So when he's on the field, 28.6%. Yes. Yes. And so it just breaks down to him being on the field. Like I said, if we knew we were going to get a full season out of him, I think 18% might be low, honestly.
0: Maybe, but, if, but Billy, here's the other thing. When they put him in, they're giving it to him because they're, they're like, here, this is a Kadarius Tony play. We're going to do this thing for Kadarius. Like, you know, he, he's not in there just doing the other stuff. You know, think about how many routes you're out there doing something where it's just like, I know I'm not getting the ball, but I'm in all the time. I'm just doing this thing. It's definitely designed for somebody else. When he goes in, they're like, do the Kadarius thing where he fucking, you know what I mean? So give him a joystick. Whenever, yeah, get him in there to do the thing we, we do for him, you know? And so, yeah, a quarter of the time they he gets the fucking target, even though it's a hundred percent of the time they're trying, you know, I don't know, you know, <clears throat> so I think the target rate is a little bit inflated. And I think that would definitely come way, way down. If you were, ha- if he had to do all the things on the field, the one thing I would share with you about Justin Ross is I agree with you. He's not as fast as MVS and he can't stretch the field like MVS, but he can stretch the field like George Pickens and Mike Williams, you know, a big body outside guy who, You know he's not slow he can go down the field and even make contested catches downfield and you know I think that's the type of field stretcher he is he's certainly not an MVS I'm not even going to tell you he is because he's not but I think he still can put pressure you know on safeties because of his ability to win on the outside and down the field especially when you talk about uh let me check here uh yeah Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback so he can deliver the ball down there with accuracy and, and and uh uh, and zip <clears throat> but we're talking about all these guys we we haven't talked about sky Moore. the one thing i will say about sky Moore is that he is a real receiver and it would not surprise me first of all he could be a complete bust because he looks I, mean, I was about to say he was out.
1: in college versus accountants but he is in the nfl now
0: yes and he looked <laughs> he he had that look in his eyes like please don't put me in a couple of games i swear yes. to god i'm i am I noticed these things. I was like, that boy is fucking scared. Um, so he looked a little overwhelmed and, and like you said, he came from a small school, so it made sense. He wasn't playing at Ohio state. So uh, long story short, he could be toast, <clears throat> but if he's not, he could play over Kadarius Tony. Cause at least that, uh, you know, conceptually he has more skill, so to speak. You know what I mean? W- wide receiver skill, N- not athletic skill. Of course, you know, v- there are a few players in the NFL who have more athletic skill than Kadarius Tony. So, you know, I just wonder how they're going to. Sh- and then Rashi Rice is a rookie. You know, as much as we want Rashi to be as wh- something, A, he might not be good, right? There's always that. And then he's also, even if he's good, he's still a rookie. So it's going to take him some time to get out there. I just think that. It could get very, very weird. It could be it could be Richie James and Justin Ross and MVS out there. You'd be like, Justin Watson. I mean, I have no idea. I, th- I just think that this one is something I'm staying away from for the most part, just taking the cheapest one. In a lot of cases, that's why I'm not paying up for Kadarius because I just don't think that there's so many different ways this thing could play out that I'm not paying up. I'll just take the cheapest stuff that comes to me out of this backfield, I mean, out of this wide receiver core.
1: Yeah, I I get what you're saying. Yeah. I'm a firm believer, though, and in, in when, I, when I fade a position, I ask myself one question. Can this player beat me? Yeah. And I, I hate to say it, but I think the answer with Kaderis, Tony, is he can beat me if he's mm-hmm. healthy, right? It's a big if because of his health, but if he is on the field and if they do utilize him in those packages throughout an entire season, I think he can beat me. And especially given all the names that we just mentioned at the position where it is easy for him to carve out a number one role outside of Travis Kelsey, of course, but there is well, Bill, well, so Billy, much uncertainty.
0: If if, if Kadarius Tony dunks on you, he'll be dunking on me and <laughs> someone else will be dunking on me too, which is Charlie motherfucking Casserly because Charlie Casserly said pre-draft when Kadarius Tony was drafted that he was a better prospect than Justin Jefferson ever was. So Charlie Casserly will also be fucking rim running on my ass too. If (laughs) Kadarius Tony ends up being better than Justin Jefferson, as he fucking so eloquently predicted. You ever Um, like to do beer bets, buddy? That was after Justin Jefferson's first year too. He had the gall to say that. I mean, you realize how big Charlie Casserly's balls are or how small his brain is. One of the two. They might be
1: like in unison. It might be like a kind of you yeah, know they they're tied. Out. They're tied together. He um, has
0: one big ball <laughs> and two little brains. Yeah, they <laughs> fucked it up.
1: <laughs> oh, that's that's hilarious. Uh, but that I, might I be I,
0: a show I, title. Charlie Casserly, <laughs> one big ball. <laughs> I, I yeah. Cool. After
1: year one, I think I would have backtracked a little bit. But it's. Uh, <laughs> I'm cheering up here. I'm actually laughing. Oh towards. shit! Um, Charlie
0: Cashley, one big ball, man. <laughs> <baby. laughs>
1: yeah, I, I would have backtracked after year one, especially given the rookie <laughs> campaign. But I, yeah. I mean, I have to, you have to, you have to give it to him. You like, know, you know, sticking to his guns. I, I still yeah. think Tony's a superb talent. He's <laughs> he's in a spot to succeed. But I'll do a beer bet. Okay. Beer bet here on the show. Yeah. If Kaderis Tony plays more than eleven games,
0: oh boy, I hate these ifs. But go ahead, eighteen percent target share or more. <clears throat> you mean in the games he plays, obviously, right?
1: No, we'll do total season. Eighteen percent
0: if he plays more than well, if he plays I, more
1: I, than eleven I, games.
0: Yeah. So 11 of games of the, is
1: is is, the, is look 11. i'll
0: send you the beer because i feel bad for you but you're sending me some beer i mean you're up there in the pacific northwest there's some really good shit up there so i'll uh, I'll, I'll dm you my address right now so you can get that shit ordered up it's not happening he's not I'll send you
1: all i'll send you all the bud light we have a lot yeah, of it
0: no, I, I'm, I would bet that all day long i there's no fucking way Pinocchio's getting 18 percent. no chance
1: Man, that nose. He's just going to stick his nose out there and catch the ball. It's just going to fall yeah, right into his gonna, lap now. He's going
0: to nudge Charlie Casterly's one big ball. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's going right. to listen to this podcast. Like, what the fuck, guys? I've,
0: I've been praying for Charlie Caster to listen. I dunked on him for, you know, like, that whole draft season. I was basically, I had multiple shows dedicated to Charlie Casterly, you know? And just, you know, him and Greg Williams. Greg Williams. Remember when Greg Williams was on. Uh, Uh, hard knocks and was saying that he had all these head coaching offers, but he turned them down to be with that team and his fake hair, fake glasses, fake teeth. Remember him? Mm, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Piece of shit. He was the one who also did the uh, bounty gate too. I mean, just an absolute train wreck. So I did Greg Williams and Charlie Cashley, just, you know, hoping to get some shade from him. I mean, I'd love it if they mentioned me, you know, just, some asshole in his mom's basement you know all right so <laughs> <laughs> speaking of assholes and mom's basements the team formerly coached by urban meyer is the last team i want to talk about that was that was amazing. well done that was a good thank
1: transition you, thank you very that was much. top that was top shelf level right there thank
0: you very much <laughs> I, I love this team i love a lot of these players i want to start with trevor lawrence um because he's here here's my trevor lawrence take like last Last year I kept saying like Trevor Lawrence is like going to be a top 5 top 7 you know dynasty quarterback. This was when he was you know sort of outside the top 12, but there were some peripheral um, you know metrics that were showing that he was coming on, you know, he was playing way way better uh you know under P- Peterson than he was obviously the year before and I had I had said, man, I would I would trade Kyler for Trevor Lawrence plus. Now it's the reverse, of course. So that was a great call. I love Trevor Lawrence coming in, and now I'm even looking to push him a row, a rung higher. I, I, I have Tre- Trevor Lawrence in the Joe Burrow, uh, you know, Herbert, uh, tier. I do have him behind those two. I'd take Burrow and Herbert ahead of him, but I'm, I'm glad to trade back the couple of spots plus profit to get. Myself, Trevor Lawrence, and pass on Burrow and Herbert because I think he's right there with him. Do you think I'm crazy?
1: I do not think you're crazy. Uh I I really like Trevor Lawrence. It was hard for me not to get. I mean, okay, let me just kind of rewind here a little bit. Yeah, I have him near this tier. I don't have him quite that high. Yeah, I have him as as quarterback number nine. Um. I think he has the opportunity to surpass Watson to surpass Justin field. So I could see realistically like QB seven burrow Herbert to me, just pass more um, higher efficiency rate, higher, higher completion percentage, um, slightly better weapons altogether throughout the entire team. Uh, like like the coaching staff a little bit better on both on both of them as well so i, I give him the slight lean there but i can see a scenario where trevor lawrence outperforms watson i can see a scenario where he performs outperforms justin fields and lamar jackson so i am you're not crazy D-
0: i am talking in dynasty too i mean i'm yeah. not saying you know i'm about.
1: saying redraft too so I, I okay, it's it's fine both ways honestly okay
0: yeah Re- redraft. Absolutely, draft. I think I totally agree. I think you said quarterback nine or something. I'm totally with that. I think that you know I'm not exact. Here's my the, he's three full years younger than Burrow, two full years younger than Herbert, and he was the 101 overall. He was a legendary prospect. He's super athletic. He obviously has moxie. I mean, he's got what it takes. He's got. I mean, the way that he played in Dude, he you know in, in that Charger game to play as bad as he did. And then, as good as he did in the same game and win that game, that that showed me a lot. I don't know about you.
1: I mean, it starts with the Fabio hair. Like, you have to just give it to him for that. But then he comes out his rookie year and throws for 3,600 yards. He comes back with 4,100 yards in 2022. Yeah. The part that is exceptional is that he went from 59.6 percent completion percentage to 66.3 he made adjustments yep. right he got some weapons too that's that's where that's where it was um, he, got he, got he got the coach
0: fired he got the coach fired
1: that was the big part yeah. right it was was urban, really liar, urban liar urban liar in there um his yards per attempt went up a, like a, a full a full yard which is outstanding he doubled his touchdowns and so you have to like what they did they went out and got um a quarterback coach, right? And so he's he's a quarterback whisperer, and he's going to... Peterson's going to, to do well for Lawrence in his career. Um, they got him Christian Kirk last year. They go out and get Calvin Ridley knowing they're going to have him here in 2023. <laughs> they still have Zay Jones, who far surpassed expectations last year for this offense. Evan Ingram stepped up in a big way. Um, they have his college teammate, Travis Etienne, in the backfield. So... I like everything this team is doing. I love the fact that in my projections, they're a top 10 pass heavy offense. Um, so, yeah, I don't think you're crazy. I think you could put him there in redraft. I think you could put him there in dynasty, no problem. Um, there's an argument to be made that Trevor Lawrence could be a top five, top four quarterback in dynasty, honestly, um, yeah. just because of his age and his success and the weapons that's surrounding him and how they're developing this team inside this division.
0: Right, and and you know, in his rookie year, he had Urban Meyer there. Urban Meyer just couldn't finger it out, um, and you know, not being able to figure it out, then the next year, uh, Trevor. I hope you know what I did there, Trevor. Yeah, Lawrence, I saw
1: the pun. I loved it.
0: He had his thumb on the pulse of the team. You know what I mean? Uh, anyway, listen, <laughs> he was checking. Yeah, he pulled he was it out and it just checking the temperature sank. of the team at all times <laughs> with his. <laughs> So, look, also Trevor Lawrence, first, uh, you know, eight weeks, first half of the season, his team was two and six. You know, he was, you know, 62, 63% completion percentage. He had six picks. The second half of the season, they go seven and two. He has only two picks and he's like at 68, 69. I think it was really 69. Got to love it. 69% completion percentage. So even within last year, you saw the growth and it makes fucking perfect sense. He was going from the most dysfunctional situation ever to like being like, you know, oh, hey, this is this is how it's done. Like he literally that was his rookie year. I mean, it was actually a regressive year, his rookie year, his actual rookie year hurt him. It didn't it wasn't even good for him. He didn't learn anything. He learned he learned to be grateful for having a real team around him. I mean, it was just so bad. So, I think last year he showed growth. He won a playoff game. He he afforded himself very very well in the playoffs. I just think he's really awesome. I think he's going to be an awesome quarterback and an awesome quarterback for like a long friggin' time. Like he's Big and durable and smart and I just think he's going to be great for a really long time and so for me give me all the Trevor Lawrence you can I'd be more than happy to trade any of the top five guys for him plus profit obviously with the top three with super profit but still you know it, within that within that range you know someone wants to trade you you know you've got Lamar and you can get Trevor plus I'd do it and whatever I got to do I'll, I'm into acquiring Trevor at his current value because I think it's only going up <clears throat> excuse me
1: I, I have nothing else to say. I think you summed it well. I love him too. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think, I think this is, I think if you wait another year, it's only going to get more expensive.
0: Yeah. Yep. I, yeah. It's, it's so good. And, and part of that is because I think the team's got great weapons. They did uh, put some, put some weapons around them on the offense. You mentioned Calvin Ridley. Um, I got into it with, uh, you know, there's some, there's some Calvin Ridley love out there. Um, he's going as uh, wide receiver, 16 in best ball that seems rich um, I like Calvin Ridley I'm not so sure you know there's a there's a you know there, there, there's a bunch of tweets that would like you know if you have Calvin Ridley rated ab- ranked above Christian Kirk you're doing it wrong or excuse me the other way around if you have you know if you don't have Calvin Ridley above Christian Kirk you're doing it wrong I don't really know I mean I I'm, I'm flip a coin team flip a coin between these two guys I think Christian Kirk's pretty good and I think you know the relationships there between Trevor and and Kirk Kirk's got the bag. I know Ridley's coming in, but Ridley's been Ridley's been out for two years. He's going to be 29 before the end of the year. I'm not so sure he's elite. Um, what are your thoughts between these two guys and and what's going to happen and how this is going to shake out? Uh, you know, at the wide receiver position,
1: I had a, a lot of controversy <clears> when <throat> I told everybody that Calvin Ridley was going to disappoint this year, yeah, um, and that Christian Kirk was the the one here while Ridley was going to be the number two. I, I think. Had Ridley not been suspended and and not missed games, I, I think that you could easily say that Ridley is the number one of this offense, but there's, there's a, a big piece that people seem to be missing. He hasn't played since what is it? Week five, 2021. Is that, is that <laughs> week, long, yeah, week long seven, 2021? Sorry, excuse me. And yeah. so we're talking about a year and a half removed from football. Um, He's no longer on the same team. He no longer has the same coach. He no longer has the same quarterback. He is in a new division. He's learning a new offense. He is now no longer the number one. He has other ancillary pieces that he's competing against. I just mentioned how Zay Jones exceeded expectations, how much Evan Ingram stepped up in a big way, how Travis Etienne is still involved in the passing game. Um, I mean, there's other pieces that I haven't even mentioned, like Tank tank Biggs. You know, Tank Bigsby, they went out and got Dernest Johnson. They still have Jamal Agnew. I mean, none of these, none of these pieces uh, do I expect to have a significant role in the passing game. But this offense is a lot different than what it was when he was in Atlanta. And the fact is, is that when he was in Atlanta, he also earlier in his career had Julio Jones, who was distracting defenses and giving him free looks at the number two cornerback or the number three cornerback and he was able to avoid double teams and was able to to take on lesser coverage and that's not going to be the scenario here inside of jacksonville and so there's a lot of questions with calvin ridley um you have to also now consider the fact that he's 28 and a half years old, right? Yeah, he's a, is, he's
0: a wide receiver past the age apex,
1: which is not young for receivers. And no. so it's only going to get worse as, as we progress. And I know that he was this exceptional talent when he came out of Alabama. I know he was drafted around one, but that was in 2018, yep. right? Yeah, for fuck's sakes, people, he hasn't played. Since he was 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And so, We saw regression inside his 2021 campaign. 2020, he was exceptional. It was his career year. But outside that, outside 2020, he has never eclipsed a thousand yards the rest of his career. He only has one campaign over a thousand yards. And it was a big year. It was 1,300 yards and nine touchdowns. He's been very fortunate in the touchdown category. But we all know that touchdowns are the most variable aspect of fantasy football and in the NFL you could categorize it as the same and you don't want to touch that you don't want to chase that category it's it's yep. it's a dangerous game um, he's only
0: had one season above 93 targets too i'm with you a thousand percent hey you're gonna like this take this is a uh half half silly take but you, you'll love it so when when a player gets injured right and then they're out for the season once they're starting to come back what do they what do they do
1: injured they, they re- out for the rehab. season they rehab yeah sorry what is
0: rehab rehab is like working out you yep. know the whole thing right they rehab they got to get better they have to rehab otherwise they're not gonna be able to come back right they rehab if you're suspended you don't have to rehab right so you know what you do
1: you play you video chill. games <laughs> you,
0: yeah, you play <laughs> video games well he didn't have to rehab like there's no guarantee he was staying in shape like i don't know i'm sure he is or whatever maybe I don't fucking know like I mean he's you know he was gambling on on the game it's not like he's definitely the smartest guy I don't I have no idea but he could have just been chilling like for two years he could have been completely chilling he's a rich dude young guy like I don't know man he he could be this whole thing could be well well above who he is shit we or know he was he sports betting be, right he or he <laughs> can come back and be great I, I, I'm I'm open to that fact but to to, to be to be putting him you know, right back up there is like uh, that's a that's bold. That is very well, bold. I, let's I'm not ta- there.
1: Let's break down the projections because this is this is one that's that's please. highly debatable, right? And I think that people want to hear these numbers. So Christian Kirk yeah, for please. me comes in at 22% target share, which is 131 targets. Yeah. Right? It's 1,062 yards and 6.8 touchdowns. Calvin Ridley comes in at 21.5% target share.
0: That's great for him.
1: Okay, that's, that's a career, that's 127.8, 127.8 targets. That's his second highest of his career outside 2020, which we just mentioned was 143 targets. Wow. Okay, that still gives him 918 yards, which if we look at it, again, based second, upon, yep. <laughs> it's his second highest year, okay? So it's not yeah. like I'm projecting him for this low year, right? We have, I gave him 6.6 touchdowns, which is a, A 8.3 percent touchdown rate, right, and that gets him still inside. What I say, so 6.6. That gets him. That that's like his third, that's fourth actually, but so it's a little bit lower. On but nonetheless, inside my wide receiver rankings, I talked about how it was second in all these categories. That's still wide receiver 35, right? I see him in these draft rooms going like you said, and I'm like, fuck no. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to, it's going to have that. Th- wow. Even at 21, 22%. Yeah. That's yeah. No, thank you. I'm with you. I mean, and, and he'll probably be fine. Like he'll be a nice asset on a week to week basis. You know, he'll be, look, if you start three wide receivers, he'll be in your starting lineup and yep, y- you're good. That's, it's great. Yeah. Play him. But I, I, and he'll have some, some, you know, eight catch 100 yards two touchdown game he'll have it it'll happen i mean he's playing with trevor lawrence we just talked about it but there are some other options there and one of the other ones is zay jones where'd you where'd you come up with zay jones
1: so zay jones let me go back to that that uh there we go AFC south so zay jones i have at sixteen and a half percent which is 98 targets yeah that's um, fair which you look at he had 121 last year so it's regression of course because we had yeah, we had to Ridley. We have to we have Ridley there. We still have Evan Ingram there. So there's still there's still some some pieces that we have to consider. Um that gets him to six hundred and sixty yards and five touchdowns. So it's not like yeah. it's it's a horrible year, right? It comes in he, as he saw
0: seven he saw seventy targets in twenty twenty one with Vegas too. So yeah, why does he
1: were fifty two in my rankings?
0: Yeah, I think Zay getting close there. That that makes sense. And then Evan Ingram, uh, where do you have him?
1: So Evan Ingram comes in at um, 16% target share. That's 95 targets. That's 664 yards and five and a half scores. So that's, I mean, very similar to what we saw last year.
0: Yep. I think that's right. I think that's, I think that's about right. And, 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 there's probably a little bit of ceiling outcomes for all four of them where they could spike a little bit higher than where you have them. But there's also some floor outcomes for all of them because there's so much target competition. So none of those guys are safe as like, oh yeah, for sure they're going to hit these projections. These projections are very volatile because of the nature of how much competition there is for targets. Would you agree with that?
1: hundred percent agree with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're very volatile. Wow. And
1: people just, so you know, I, Scott did not pay me to come on the show and agree with him today. which is mind melding, so I just want to throw that out there.
0: Yeah, I want to be like, no, stupid, that's dumb. No, but all right. So let me let me ask you this. Okay, of those four, you know who who do you think is least likely to get to your projections for them? Not to you know who's least likely to get to the projections you have for them. Those four. Yeah, that's a good probably, question, right?
1: Probably Calvin Ridley.
0: Right. I mean, we just talked about it
1: being the second highest for all the categories except for touchdowns. Uh, we're expecting now this career second best in a new offense with a new coach, with a new coordinator, with a new quarterback, with, with gaining rapport with all these all these things. It's going to take time. And and usually those are red flags for me when I, I'm making projections and I'm I'm doing drafts and I, I'm I'm just not willing to overlook it, quite frankly.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. All right, now let's get to the bad news, Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne, I've got a take here, and it may disagree with yours. But what do you? How do you see this backfield shaking out? And are, are you worried for Travis Etienne based off of what you found when you did your projections?
1: I, I think he's adequately priced, quite frankly, in twenty twenty three. I I think he might be slightly overvalued. Um, it's not a lot, quite frankly. Nice. It, it, it's it's pretty close to what he did last year i i mean i still have him for 44 percent of the rush air which is 190 rush attempts last year he saw 220 but they had bigsby they go out and get Darius johnson um so i think we do see a, a, at least some competition in that category where like last year it was only Jamichael Hasty. They still have Jamichael Hasty on the team. So I think they probably have a little bit of rotation. Etienne just hasn't seen the passing volume that we expected in him as a pass catcher coming out of college. Um, I was expecting him to be more of a, you know, 70 target guy. He comes in and, you know, disappoints in this category where um, he only saw 35 receptions last year. Right. It was very disappointing in kind of, comparison of what we expected for him to do. And part of it was drops. I mean, he had some big drops in the end zone last year, which which I think probably hindered the trust in him as a as a receiver. And yeah. it's the difference of him being like a mid-range RB this year to being a back, you know, a R an RB one inside of rankings. And so I have some hesitation with him. You look at everything I just mentioned with them adding some competition. It's not like these are exceptional talents, but it is ancillary pieces that we have to at least account for right and when i say account for it's seven percent here it's two percent here it's ten percent there but it all adds up in the end right we're talking about one piece of the pie and so when we look at the passing game we're hoping he's going to take on a larger role i still have him projected for you know 47 and a half targets which is high 35 receptions 35.7 again you know he only had 35 last year, and we just talked about them adding Ridley. They still have Evan Ingram. So I'm not actually adding in a lot of regression to his stats, re- even though they added, you know, Calvin Ridley to the equation and Tank Bigsby. So,
0: how many, how many carries did you project for Bigsby, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Bigsby, I projected for 95 carries.
0: Uh, that's very fair. I like that. And then what about uh, Dearness Johnson?
1: Dearness Johnson, I have for, for 31. And I think that's that that's might- fair might be low but it's also
0: Maybe.
1: you know you could <laughs> see someone like Jamaal Hasty who I have for for 42 you could see those two swapping pretty easily
0: yeah and i, I would argue that i think Jamaal Hasty will not get 42 uh, put it this way i don't think that those three guys will get that many last year James Robinson Jamaal Hasty and Snoop Connor, which were the only other running backs to touch the football uh, i think it was 140 139 uh, rush attempts and that with with 139 other rush attempts coming from running backs, ETN still saw 220. I think Bigsby probably takes the lion's share of that 140, right? And I don't think Dernis Johnson sees too much of the field to be square with you. I, I think he's insurance. I don't think he's like, oh, we need to get this guy on the field. Uh, as much as we like Dernis Johnson, like, you know, the theory of it, nobody's ever liked him in the real NFL. He's never been a priority play. He's never prioritized his way onto the field for any team ever. Never done that. Jamichael Hasty does so from the pass catching side of things, but even still, you know, only 26 targets last year. Uh, James Robinson only 11. That's a little bit my concern is that basically there wasn't that many targets going to running backs at all. You know, 26, 11, and 45, that were all the, the running back targets last year. Like, not a lot. So what's that, 70, 80, 80 total targets to the running back? Um, That's without Calvin Ridley on the field, as you point out. So the targets are going to get a bit of a squeeze um, this year as Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, and, uh, you know, Marvin Jones goes. And, you know, Calvin Ridley sort of fits into that Marvin Jones who got 81 targets last year. I don't know that, you know... Uh, I think Calvin really should see more than eighty-one, but you kind of see my point uh, in yeah, terms of I the roles played, the way that they play their offense. I think, you know, I think Travis Etienne still solid for two hundred uh, carries and fifty targets. I really do, and I think Bigsby's going to be the guy that takes over the James Robinson role and keeps J Michael Hasty from seeing forty-six carries. You know, I think I think a lot of times they were playing, uh, especially after Robinson got hurt, they were playing Etienne and giving him like. 25 carries a game and they didn't have a reliable guy to give carries to and I think that's what they want Bigsby to be I think he's a between the tackles you know reliable big bodied back who can who can handle 100 carries and I think it might be you know sort of 200 and 100 if you will so I'm with you a thousand percent I think that's what we're going to see and I'm not that worried for ETN even though I think you can have some hope for Tank Bigsby, even as a flex option sometimes.
1: This is one of the backfields that I have circled for camp because – Realistically, I believe one of these guys gets cut and one is down to the practice squad, um, which is going to open up roughly seventeen percent more of the rushing share, which is right. a significant chunk. You're talking about sixty plus carries, right? right? And that's the difference between your Tank Bigsby projection and my my Tank Bigsby. I haven't done it
0: yet, so I, I, I no. I'm just I'm talking back in the napkin right now. Yeah, here. but Let's even try. if you're
1: back yeah. in the napkin, that's yeah. what that difference is. is yes, yeah, sir. That's yeah. the difference of Snoop <laughs> Connor still in the team. That's the difference of either Darnus Johnson or Jermichael Hasty. One of those two are going to. To get cut because when we look at the contracts, Jamichael Hasty is only a $300,000 dead cap this year. Mm. Dernis Johnson is only a $50,000 dead cap this year. There so we expect one of these two to probably get cut. Near near or at the end of camp, which yeah. is going to open up roughly or thirty or forty, active, you know, or, or be inactive, active, right? Yeah, which you you is know, still thirty Hastie's, or forty yeah. rushing attempts. For if entire Bigsby's year.
0: healthy and Etienne's healthy and Jermichael Hasty's healthy, I think that's that's a really really great three three back uh, offense because yep. you know Bigsby, if 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 Etienne were to get hurt in a game, Bigsby can just take over and, and you know and Hasty's that pass catcher I think they 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 complement one another really really well and I think De- Dearness Johnson is basically just insurance on on Bigsby you know what I mean he's just another guy that can that can take carries if you will so I think that's how I see that's how I see that 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 team in that backfield and I, that offense is going to be exciting and Trevor Lawrence by the way just to circle back to him uh, last year 300 well 291 yards but 291 yard yards rushing five touchdowns uh that's another sneaky part of his game that doesn't get enough credit he is a he is a nice little konami player doesn't not going to give you you know seven eight hundred yards on the ground but he doesn't need to because he's so gifted as a passer but he's Mm -hmm. sneaky athletic he'll he'll convert first downs and he'll score touchdowns
1: we didn't even mention one name
0: oh god do it
1: snoop connor do you think he makes the team no i don't think so either
0: Yeah, I I don't, and you know I don't. I I haven't gotten to the to the team yet. Where it's funny because when I do my projections, I literally will look like he's on the team now. I'll almost be like sometimes I I put zero. Yeah, sometimes I put zero because I'm like I actually don't consider you, sir. You know what I mean? It's like I'm sorry, I just I cut you, and and sometimes that may be faulty. I don't really know, but you know then then it saves me the trouble of going back and editing it after he is actually cut.
1: I uh, hate to say it, but I did that with Justin Ross in Kansas City.
0: Oh, Slice Scott <laughs> Barrett. Scott Barrett if you're listening. Holy shit, shots fired. Oh my god. Until
1: I see it actually happen, that's what I did.
0: Yes, I love it. Um, <laughs> look, it's more likely than not, honestly. You know, the 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 thing in Kansas City is certainly going to be you know, it's like a firing squad. Which one is like, you know, do the bullets miss? I mean, it's just there's so many wide receivers. I think they've. Got, what got is the number? They have like ten under contract right now, or something. It's it's a big number, and they're certainly not going to have that many when you know when they when they hit the field. Uh, you know, week one against Detroit, which is going to be an awesome fucking game. By the way, I think Jerick McKinnon. We we skate by him, but the backfield in Kansas City will end on this. Let's end on the Kansas City backfield: Pacheco, McKinnon, C E H. Um, you know, when you do this one, it's really easy to give any one of these guys sort of the edge with, with what you give them for opportunity. Isn't that, isn't that how you felt doing the Kansas city? I haven't done it yet, but I'm like, I've been thinking about it. I'm like, I could easily make a case for any one of them by just sort of playing with the dials, if you will. Uh, is that how you felt when you did the, the Kansas city backfield?
1: Um, so I did. I, I did my projections in February. Like as soon as the Super Bowl's uh, over, I start my projections. It it was a lot less clear back then because we had the McKinnon uncertainty, and I've of course since updated. I update almost yes. daily on the projections. It, it's pretty clear to me. Pacheco is the RB one at least in rush share. I yes. think he you know succeeds the passing work to both Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards Lair. Yeah. Um, people forget, and and Matt's gonna hate me for saying this, but people forget how good Clyde Edwards-Alaire looked in the first few weeks in Kansas City when he was actually used as a third down back and was utilized inside the passing game in Kansas City. And so I think he has some sneaky value in redraft in Kansas City. We're talking about a a contract year. He has the ability to run between the 20s. He has the ability to, to catch the ball. Jarek McKinnon, we know, is not the model of health. Um, no, that's true. He's not going to see much more than you know, 50 or 60 rushing attempts. He's going to make his money that's in true. the passing game. So I think McKinnon carves out a decent, when I say decent, I'm talking like 95 to 105 rushing attempts, which is like 23 to 25% of the rushing share. He carves out a decent chunk of rushing attempts. He carves himself out Three to four percent of the target share, um, it's enough to draft as the handcuff. It's enough to hold in in redraft as as a flyer. I mean, we're talking about one of the most, if not the most potent offense in the NFL, and you would want yeah. a piece of that. Should Pacheco go down, or should McKinnon go down? This backfield becomes a lot less murky, and we have very defined roles, right? And so, I've been drafting. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, late in drafts, simply, especially in best ball, simply because the upside. And we are not seeing... I mean, you got to forget, people were firing this... Excuse my language. People were firing this motherfucker up in round three last year. Yes, yes. And he's going undrafted (laughs) around 20. Right. And so he's still on the same team. Yes, the role has changed, but he has the opportunity to at least capture some of that role back. And he's an afterthought now. And so... (laughs) I know Matt hates him at the site and and he's like, he's pleaded with me to move him down. I'm like, dude, I've modestly projected him for 103 rushing attempts. I've modestly projected him for, you know, 20 targets. And he still comes in at like, I got to double check the math here. Let me see what it is here. He still comes in as RB 60 for me, right around pink Bigsby. Yeah. And I think that's pretty fair, right? Yeah. If you knew though, today, That Jarek McKinnon got hurt or Pacheco got hurt. Where is he being drafted?
0: Yeah, that's right. Round
1: ten, round nine,
0: probably. You know, and it's it's um, last year the Kansas City running backs. If you took them all together, scored twenty one touchdowns total. Twenty one touchdowns out of that backfield, catching, running, running. Like that's a lot of touchdowns. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Like winning upside. uh, Yes, it's winning upside, and and that's the upside that they have, even if they're not good, like Clyde Edwards lair because he's not good. Like that's the thing too. Is like you'd watch McKinnon and like a little swing pass, and he would just like he'd get the corner. You know what I mean? Because he's so fast, and like that's kind of important. Like it's, well, like it's if also they keeping Madden.
1: defenses off. Uh, honest, right? They have yes. the the path, the passing weapons, and they had you know Patrick Mahomes, at quarterback. It's not like they can load the box up.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's like if you're playing Madden and your running back has an 87 <laughs> speed and you throw him a swing and you're like, he just gets tackled. You're like, Fuck. <laughs> you know, whereas if he has 98, you're like, I just I just run around the defender. Like, that's how McKinnon felt sometimes. You're like, he just ran around that linebacker. Someone else is going to have to tackle him. And, you know, as as good as Ceh is, you know, maybe technically as a player, he's not a, he's not a complete, you know, you know, stiff, but he's just not explosive. No. And McKinnon's so friggin' explosive out there. You know, he's not strong and he can't really break tackles. He's not as good a, you know, between the tackles he runner. He's a combine warrior. He is. I mean, he's very athletic, but he's not a he, – Yeah, he, was, he wasn't even a running back, you know. So uh, at the end of the day, I think he serves a great role. And, and Pacheco is like, fuck, man, that dude runs with some serious violence. Yep. And so, I mean, he's clearly – the sir, the look, he should get 200 plus carries this year. And he, you know, I don't think he's going to get very many targets. He may get 20, 30 targets at most, but he should get 200 plus, uh, you know, rushes. And because of the, that touchdown upside, I think he can get 10 plus touchdowns this year. I really do, uh, you know, running it in. I, I think he's big enough to be a goal line back. He's certainly the best, you know, goal line back of those three. Um, His problem was fumbling a little bit, but, yeah, you know, that's the I, problem. Right, I mean, the, whether or not they trust him or not, they they seem to just go right back to him. They didn't give a shit. It seems uh, on many occasions when he did fumble. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, I, I I think his aggressive running style. I think the coaches love to see it. You love the heart yes. that he has. I think yeah. that that's it. That's going to continue to give him the opportunities. Um, it, it is going to break down fumbles, right? And but it's not like they have a goal line back who's going to come in. We saw what Clyde Laird has done in the goal line. You remember his rookie year that game awesome. one, he like yes. five times and like yes. stuff
0: it's yeah, so they, got, they they got like a defensive holding. You got like four more tries and still couldn't get in. I remember <laughs> yeah. it was like it was actually like three, but it felt like fucking eighteen tries. Yeah, yeah it was it was, it was like,
1: literally like they just ran yeah. on first and goal all game and he still couldn't get it. But <laughs> it, it was, was like
0: a naked gun scene where they just you know kept going like yeah it just. Didn't so even
1: sense. if he fumbles, he's still going to have the opportunity because McKinnon again isn't a goal line back. They'll use him right. in the passing game. You know, if the McKinnon's in in the goal line, they're going to pass it to him. It's not like they're going to run him of the gut. And yes. so I I think. He'll have every opportunity to succeed. I I agree. I think Pacheco is probably a two hundred carry guy, and he's one of the guys I've been targeting in that kind of RB two range. Yeah.
0: It, it, the 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 problem with him is he could get two hundred carries, but if he doesn't get the touchdowns, he's he doesn't have a ton of ceiling because he, you know he reminds me a little bit of of the Dobbins situation where the the, the targets just won't do anything for him, but the touchdown upside is huge. I, I do think Dobbins is a better player with a bitter uh, a bigger uh role. But nonetheless, similar similar guys in terms of redraft, I guess. But um, hey, that's about that, man. Let's uh, let's call it like, me, you, and. Uh, Charlie Cashley's big ball were were great this evening. So thank you so much.
1: <laughs> I appreciate you having me on. Always, a, always a pleasure to talk projections and rankings. Um, love to get your insight. Love to see that we're on the same page with a lot of these folks. And and it was it was great to get uh, y- your takes on 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 these four teams. So so thanks yeah. again for having me on. And and I'd love to join anytime.
0: Yeah, I, I will tell you that I was pleased to see that I was on the same page as you. I don't think, I don't think it goes the other way. Trust me. I was pleased that the great Billy Muzio, that I had some, some, some projections that were in your, in your, uh, uh same purview. I, I really was kind of excited because, you know, I'm not so sure how good I am at doing them. You know, it's not like I'm some sort of fucking master over here, but I, I, I do, uh, we do a pretty good job. Chalk and I, we each do our own. We don't, we don't do them together. And then we, we share them with each other just to see where we're at, you know? and you know, we sort of split our differences because we love having differences because that's where there's some learning. Uh, and where, where we see things similar, like we, like we did tonight, it's great because you feel like, okay, I got a pretty good handle on what's most likely to happen here. And projections aren't rankings, but, you know, because it's kind of like what we mentioned, like sometimes the floor is like, man, I don't, I, I think his projection is all of it, man. He's not going to see more than that or vice versa. I think that projection, he can't, he can't get less than that unless he gets hurt. And so sometimes those projections, you can either see ceiling or, Or not in them, Uh, you know. So projections aren't rankings, but they really help you see it, Um, you know. And and there was a couple of them this week, especially that we talked about, that were very uh, revealing. And namely, that Atlanta one, where we're we're not sure just how much is there for targets for great players like Pitts, London, and Bijan. So for that, we're grateful to have you on. And it's not a it's not a caution to stay away from those guys. It's just to have good expectations about what you can actually see happening. Going forward, you know, we 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 thought we saw a little bit of that with Philly last year, and Hertz passing volume really skyrocketed to to open up for Devonte and AJ. But we were a little concerned, less so than what we saw in, what we're going to see in Atlanta, but because Ritter is not Hertz, but um, it's those types of things that you like to be able to to figure out. Uh, before the season.
1: It's great to hear that you and Chalk do them separately and that you guys are able to compare. Uh, I'm a firm believer in iron sharpens iron and being able to have somebody as a soundboard and bounce ideas off of. I do this with not just one or two or three players in, or I should say rankers or projections, and and but I do it with like five or six people that I trust in the industry, yeah. um, whether it's through podcasts or it's just through discussion. Like I'll have calls with people that I value and trust 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 as as rankers and 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 just brilliant fantasy minds to we'll sit down and just drink a beer hop on and talk to each other and just discuss what we're doing hey where do you have let's run through our top 50 at receiver let's run through our top 50 at running back and let's talk about our differences and it's just to get a difference of opinions it's just to see hey am I seeing something the same as somebody? Is there something I'm missing? Right. Like, yeah. it, it, Oh, is, you know, someone might've said, Oh, I didn't know Todd Munkin was a run first OC <laughs> or, or, Hey, you know, it, it's, it's things like that, that really make a difference in a team or, or, you know, you name it. A new OC comes in. And and you know, when you talk about like Lombardi when he joined it when he joined the Chargers and how he favored the X receiver.
0: Pace right? of play and all and, these things, right? Exactly. And, and
1: so this. there's a lot for us to to manage as analysts. And I mean, we're human, we make errors, we miss things. And so to be able to bounce philosophies, projections, strategies off one another. It only makes us better as analysts. Like I, yeah. I've had a lot of success doing this. You know, finishing one and then number four in the projections contest, but it, it's. I, I, there's no way that I've done it by myself. I have That's to attribute right. my friends, my colleagues, and yes. everyone that has helped me along the way become a better analyst because it, it's not just my mindset, it's being able to bounce them off of folks like you and Chalk and, and my friends, Bradley Salder and Dave Hubbard and, and Jody Smith, and and to be able to, to get their insights and their input and to tweak things, right? Yep. We talked about the tiers, how close yeah. those tiers are having right. one person difference can make a difference in in winning yes. an accuracy contest and yeah, so and, and, and that's one way that you
0: point that out too that's another thing that you learn from the from the projections is like sometimes there's just clusters of things you're like oh wow look that guy's that close to this and that close to that you know in, in other words there's t- ten guys who are so so then you say well the the market has you know, it favors one of these, I'll just take that lower part of that. That's how you start to tear things out and be like, I think I can get the, a very similar player with this guy here rather than having to spend up for that guy here. But yet look a wide receiver that I really think is a, the, the last one of a tier here. You know what I mean? That's how you end up sort of creating edges, uh, in, especially in best ball and redraft and, and, and in dynasty so that you can, you can go ahead and trade for, uh, players within certain tiers, uh, That's how you win. So we found it today with Billy Muzio. Thank you, Billy. Billy, just tell everybody where you're at. You're everywhere. You're rocking and rolling, but just tell everybody where you're at so they can go find you because you're that smart. I love you.
1: You can find me uh on Twitter at FF That's M-U-Z-I-O. Uh, all my rankings and projections can be found over at playerprofiler.com. Uh and we just got done working on the data analysis tool. So a lot of what I discussed right now can you can pull yourself as as you know new upcoming analysts, people who want to just become more savvy at fantasy football. You can literally pull all this data and all these stats. All in a tool over at Player Profiler uh, with our data analysis tool, which is an amazing tool, by the way. And and you can, yes. you know, become a, a much more efficient manager in fantasy and help your your overall um, bottom line as a player. And so Jax, thanks for having me. That's where you can find me, everybody. Thanks again for having me on. And I had a blast.
0: And on behalf of everybody here at the undroppables, on behalf of everybody here at the undrafted, on behalf. Of the greatest podcast producer that has ever walked Philadelphia, Michael P. Duncan. You have been joined by the sage, Billy Muzio. I am Jax Falcone, and we are out.